Hey listeners, it's Elena here. I am checking in because, as you know, because you clicked on this episode, we are covering Golden Girls this week and next. But there is a bit of a glaring hole in these episodes and in our hearts because of the passing of Betty White. We actually recorded this episode a few months before her death. And so there is no mention of that in either of these episodes. So if you're wondering why, now you know. And I think it's very obvious the impact that she had on the TV industry. I mean, if you look at the episodes that we've done in the short time that we've done Televisionary, she is now a star, a huge part of two of these series, and she is beloved in both of those roles, Mary Tyler Moore Show and Golden Girls. So we are deeply saddened by her loss, but we hope that you still find some joy in these episodes and feel inspired to dive into Golden Girls, whether you've seen it before or not. So enjoy the episode. If you were over, I don't know, 50, 60, that you were just that caricature, that you were this cantankerous, cranky old person. Oh, haha, mom's having a hot flash, but it's like, literally, what's going to happen to me? And why has no one ever told me? You know, this was a year or so before Magic Johnson came out as HIV positive. It's part of the beauty of having a show that isn't just about 20-somethings. I've been keeping up with a couple of shows like as they are airing. I've been watching Celebrity Wheel of Fortune and Supermarket <laughs> Sweep okay. every week. Not a whole lot to talk about there, but I just love those like game shows that I can put on for an hour and not have to think about them, but just enjoy them. You're really a game show person. I really am. I cannot believe sometimes that I have not been on a game show yet. At 29 years old, it's it still has not happened for me. But then again, I haven't really tried that hard. Yeah, I think it's going to happen for you. Yeah. I mean, I have auditioned for a game show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I need to share that whole story now. <laughs> if you know me, you've probably heard it already. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. One day, it, it is a life goal of mine to be on a game show one day. And if it is Wheel of Fortune, I will just say, I am going to show those turds who's boss because I <clears throat> am so good at Wheel of Fortune. Like, I watch the show and just go, how did they find these morons? Like, why are these people on this show when I'm sitting here screaming at the TV as soon as three letters pop up in the puzzle? Or yeah. fewer sometimes. One letter on the board and he gets it. I have before. Wow. I can't say that I'm particularly good at Wheel of Fortune. I don't think I'm bad at it, but I'm not like, it's not as natural to me as it is for like my mom. My mom is really good at it. Some people do just have the brain for it, I guess. I'm one of those people. Well, that's not what we're talking about today. It's sure not. (laughs) It's a very different show than what we're (laughs) talking about today. Indeed. We are going to be talking about Golden Girls. Ba <laughs> ba 
Oh I probably gosh. didn't need to do the whole thing, but no, I you feel did. like you can't not do all of it. I sing every time it comes on and I never skip it. Me too. <laughs> yes, you cannot skip that song. Somebody asked me the other day my Mount Rushmore of TV theme songs, and I can't believe that I didn't think of Golden Girls. Oh, It yeah. has to be one of the best of all time. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a good question, though. I'm going to think about Mount Rushmore of TV yes. theme songs. Stick around to the end of this episode. Maybe we'll each share. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I can come up with it that fast. That's a lot of songs to think about. (laughs) I know. Oh, man. It's such a great show. I actually spent all day watching it. Oh, I wish I could have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know. I I just never, ever get tired of Golden Girls. And Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone does. (laughs) That's the thing. Like, it's more than 35 years on from the premiere now. And it just still feels so funny and so fresh somehow and absolutely yeah i just i love it so much one of my favorite shows ever hands down have you seen every episode Mm -hmm. okay although today i did watch one that we're gonna briefly mention later that i just had zero memory of but i know that i've watched through all of it there's just so many episodes there's like what 180 180, episodes yeah yeah Yeah. and i know that i've seen all of them too but i've never like binged the show straight through like i've only okay seen it i like i looked down through the list of episodes and like with each one i was like yep seen that seen that like there i'd seen literally every single episode i had a memory of it but i've never like just sat down beginning to end and watched it all it was just always in reruns and that's one of the few shows that i can say that about where i know i've seen every episode in reruns wow and i think it's the only one i can say that about that i did not watch as a kid interesting because a lot of those shows were like i don't know full house and cosby show and mm-hmm. like some of the shows that were on nick at night you know whenever i was you know nine ten years old whatever but golden girls i didn't start watching until high school probably but i would watch it every night before bed and then i think it was on in the mornings too before school so i would just watch it constantly and i i do intend to someday sit down and watch the whole thing yeah i mean not like in one sitting but (laughs) to start a binge of it (laughs) that's how i initially watched it i had never seen it on tv or anything like that growing up and then maybe like three four years ago i started watching it from the beginning and i think i made it about five seasons through and then i realized i never finished it and so in preparation for recording i finished watching the series it's weird because in my mind i've talked about this before but i just have such a seasonal association with shows and it's kind Mm. of perfect that we're recording this now in like late fall i guess i would say mid to late fall and when i initially watched it it was definitely fall or winter and also i rewatched firefly at the same time as i was watching golden girls for the first time and so those two shows are just linked in my mind i watch (laughs) one and then i want to watch the other they're a really good pairing because they're very different so Uh you are probably the only person on earth who has any kind of association between golden girls and firefly (laughs) by the way (laughs) yeah i think that's probably true for anyone who has not seen the golden girls we're not going to judge you a little bit (laughs) come on so anyway the premise of the show is these four ladies of a certain age i guess you could say are living out their 
quote-unquote golden years together in a house in Miami after having raised their kids and lost or divorced their spouses. So these four iconic ladies are Blanche Devereaux, played by Rue McClanahan. She is the youngest of the ladies, and she is the owner of the house, which she had previously shared with her husband, George. And since George's death, she has frequently enjoyed the company of various gentlemen in a (laughs) carnal capacity. In other words, she a hoe. I, I feel like it's not out of turn to say that, right? I think she would own it. Yeah. She is a Southern Belle through and through, and she comes from an old money family in Atlanta. She is my main rival for that assistance job. Oh, look at the shameless way she's flirting with him. Disgusting. You flirted with him? I'm from the South. <laughs> flirting is part of my heritage. Then you have Rose Nyland played by Betty White. She is a sweet but simple widow uh, from St. Olaf, Minnesota, a town of Nordic immigrants. That that town's customs and idiosyncrasies make for some very interesting stories from Rose that typically begin with, back in St. Olaf. That's kind of her catchphrase, I guess. (laughs) Not the most exciting of catchphrases, but still. Rose often bears the brunt of jokes and some sharp-tongued remarks from the other ladies, which she usually either doesn't understand or just kind of lets, you know, slide off her back. But she does occasionally defend herself and throw out a barber insult of her own. I'm sorry, but I refuse to believe you have ever read a scientific journal. Believe what you want, see if I care. Hypersexual bit. The final two Golden Girls are Dorothy Spornak, played by B. Arthur. She's a tough-as-nails substitute teacher, originally from Brooklyn, and she's the only one of the four that is divorced from her good-for-nothing husband, Stan, and he frequently pops up in her life in episodes and you get to see what a piece of crap he is. Her dating life is kind of the opposite of Blanche's, And there's a bunch of recurring jokes about her lack of success in finding and keeping a man. And she's known for her quick wit and razor-sharp zingers. Can I ask a dumb question? (laughs) Better than anyone I know. Sophia Petrillo, played by Estelle Getty, is Dorothy's mother, who comes to live with the ladies after her retirement home, Shady Pines burns down. She was born in Sicily, and she often tells stories about her past that begin with... Picture it. Sicily, 1922, or whatever. (laughs) She frequently makes fun of all of the ladies, especially Dorothy, her daughter, whom she calls Pussycat. I love that nickname, Pussycat, by the way. I do, too. Why are you insulting me? It's a defense mechanism. I guess it's to hide my feelings when I'm deeply upset. Oh, well, I understand. In that case, I won't take it personally. Thanks, you human mattress. Although the ladies have their spats, they love and deeply care for each other, and they essentially become a surrogate family or a found family, and I think that that's part of the reason why everyone loves the show so much. (laughs) I did have something very quick that I wanted to say that I'm realizing as we're reading through these. One thing we criticize Sex and the City for is that like all of the characters are just these sort of character types with Mm -hmm. no real backstory. I think what really sets Golden Girls apart from that show, which clearly stole a lot of its premise from Golden Girls, is that (laughs) all of these characters have 
deep and rich backstories in addition to having very clear and distinct personality types. I agree. Yeah. One thing that I have always kind of bemoaned about Golden Girls, probably the only thing I have bemoaned about it is that there is sometimes an issue with continuity in some of the Mm -hmm. characters' backstories. Like there are, you know, some of them mention like different numbers of kids at different times or different stories about how certain things happen in their lives. But uh, I would rather have like multiple conflicting stories about someone's (laughs) life than no stories at all. Yeah. So I, you know, I appreciate the fact that Golden Girls really did flesh out these characters in such a satisfying way. And like, they are real people. So the Golden Girls ran for seven seasons on NBC from September 14th, 1985 to May 9th, 1992. The show was produced by Touchstone Television and distributed by Buena Vista Television, which were both owned by Disney. And even though it didn't air on Disney-owned ABC, the four leads were each named Disney Legends, the highest honor at Disney in 2009. Yeah, isn't that a weird little tidbit it is like i and even on hulu now like the golden girls poster image whatever you want to call it for like whenever you click on the show it has the abc logo on it and it never aired on abc isn't that that is very weird i hope i'm not the only person who's not fascinated by that but i just (laughs) think it's a weird thing that happened more i think in the 70s 80s 90s when like each network wasn't necessarily just trying to produce its own content there was more of a free-for-all i guess of like whoever scooped up a show no matter which network had produced the pilot or anything like that's where it would end up airing but interesting the golden girls was a runaway hit right out of the gate it was averaging over 25 million viewers per episode which was huge for the 80s would be even huger today (laughs) for sure the biggest show in the world but it ranked in the year's top 10 shows for each of its first six seasons and after the seventh season when it ended there was actually a spin-off produced called the golden palace that moved to cbs and aired that one season on cbs b arthur did not return for Mm -hmm. that season they moved to a hotel called the golden palace and worked at that hotel. I have not seen any of the Golden Palace. I don't know where, if anywhere, it is available, but it was not very well received, so it only lasted that one season. The Golden Girls has consistently been considered one of the greatest television series of all time by many media outlets, and the series itself won 11 Emmys and was the second show ever in which all main cast members won an Emmy for their performances. Betty White, Rue McClanahan, and B. Arthur all won for lead actress in a comedy series, and Estelle Getty won once for supporting actress, and it also won the Emmy for Outstanding Comedy Series in 86 and 87. Way to go, Golden Girls. Literally golden with all of those awards. <laughs> they were, <laughs> indeed. Alrighty, so The Golden Girls is a show that was not afraid to address some topics that a lot of other shows would not touch, let alone that some government officials <laughs> would not even touch them. There were so many kind of landmark episodes throughout the history of the show that deal with things in a way that either the audience had not seen before or that people were just kind of afraid to talk about, yeah. uh, not just on TV, but in real life sometimes. So we are going to go through a whole laundry list <laughs> of uh, very special episodes, I guess you could say, and just touch on some of the impact that this show had through these individual episodes. 
episodes. So the first one that we're going to discuss, it's actually kind of two episodes that we'll lump together here. There's a season four episode called Scared Straight, in which Blanche's brother, Clayton, comes out as gay to her. This was not the first instance of a gay character on television or anything, but it was definitely not commonplace for a gay character to be treated with dignity and to be allowed to kind of tell their story. And Blanche is unaccepting at first, but she ultimately decides to love and support her brother. And this was one of only a few instances of gay characters on the show. It really was so far ahead of its time in that kind of representation. And especially with the season six episode called Sister of the Bride, in which Clayton returns because he has brought his boyfriend to meet Blanche, and they announce that they are going to marry, which is one of, if not the first instance of gay marriage on TV. So for it to not just be a joke (laughs) is pretty remarkable, I think. And Blanche, you know, also struggled with the marriage at first, but then Sophia tells her, Everyone wants someone to grow old with, and shouldn't everyone have that chance? (sighs) Sophia, I think I see what you're getting at. I don't think you do. Blanche, will you marry me? And Blanche, you know, kind of comes around and realizes that her brother deserves happiness and supports the marriage. I find these episodes to be a really interesting comparison to Dorothy's brother, who Phil, who always gets mentioned. True, yes. So basically, Dorothy has a brother. I can't remember if he's in any episodes, but he's constantly brought up in stories about like his cross-dressing basically Mm -hmm. is brought up in a bunch of stories between Dorothy and Sophia and so this is kind of an interesting pairing to that in my mind because I I feel like even with Phil there's still so much love there that you can feel but there's a lot more jokes aimed at him or at his expense and we don't really know like Phil's whole story or anything like that but he's clearly somewhere on like maybe the queer spectrum if we want to call it that uh whether he's just into like doing drag or is actually trans or just you know i mean maybe he is just a straight man who likes wearing women's clothing but it's interesting here and it's kind of nice that we get to meet blanche's brother and have this like whole storyline with him i saw your reaction was phil in an episode Uh, i don't think he was i was i don't think he was either i don't yeah, I don't remember if remember actually being on the show, but uh, like, can you even imagine if the show had a trans oh, no. character? <laughs> or you know, <laughs> like I feel like that would have been a step too far, maybe for audiences at the time. But I mean, it it needed to happen someday, and Golden Girls probably would have been the show to do it if it had stayed on longer. But you know, for the time that it aired, like just the fact that they were dealing with an issue like gay marriage at all, which was, you know, starting to become a more talked about issue. You know, the episode where Clayton comes back with his boyfriend is would have been aired, I think, in 90? 1990, 1991. So, you know, this was before the Clinton administration where, you know, things really started to kind of be advanced for the idea of gay marriage. So the show was absolutely ahead of its time, I think, in that way. This next episode that we want to talk about is one that really stands out in my mind for some reason. Me too. It happened in season two, and it's called Dorothy's Prized Pupil. And in this episode, Dorothy encourages a young Cuban immigrant student, played by Mario Lopez, to enter an essay contest about what it means to be an American. And unfortunately, the essay attracts the attention of immigration authorities, and he ends up being deported. And that's just how the episode 
ends. There's not a happy ending or a resolution, really, which is kind of how real life is. Mm -hmm. And it's such a departure from what almost all sitcoms were doing at the time. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's so outside the norm of that self-contained story where a problem happens in the beginning of the episode and by the end of that half hour, everyone has resolved the issue and they're all happy again. This episode is one that always makes me feel something. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can watch it today and it feels like it could have aired today. It's just such a timeless statement about this problem that we continue to see over and over again in America. And, you know, it's still a funny episode, but it's the way that they take on this problem. The fact that people who are immigrants can just be thrown out of the only country that they have ever known is sad and it's scary. And it's not something that should be neatly resolved by the end of a sitcom episode. I don't know. There's just something even 30 years plus later that it's remarkable to me that the show had the power to kind of deftly walk that line. I agree. Our next landmark episode is one that I just think is, I don't know, one that really makes you think, which Mm -hmm. a lot of Golden Girls episodes do, but the season three episode called Old Friends is one in which Sophia befriends an older man at the beach one day, and they bond over stories about their younger years, and they continue to meet there, and one day he becomes confused and angry. Sophia learns that he has Alzheimer's disease, and that was really one of the first times that you had a spotlight on Alzheimer's. It was, you know, still not well understood at that time. And I appreciate that the show was willing to, like, look at that disease at all and really not just put a spotlight on it, but make you think about what your own future might hold. It's part of the beauty of having a show that isn't just about 20 somethings, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, when you have a slightly older cast like this, you can explore these issues that are in some ways just as universal as anything that, you know, a 20-something, 30-something is going through. They're just different issues. I think that the show has an episode where Sophia, her memory is not as sharp as it once was. Like, she thinks she's misremembering something, and there's, like, a bit of a scare with that. So they definitely play with this idea a few times, and it does really make you confront your own mortality in a way that maybe you don't want to do, but is probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one thing that I read while researching for this podcast was that Estelle Getty, by the end of the series run, was starting to kind of show signs of cognitive decline, even though she wasn't, she was actually younger than B. Arthur and Betty White by a couple of years, but she was uh, actually having to rely on cue cards by the end of production because she wasn't always able to remember her lines. That's so sad. I know, having to work on a show like this where you're kind of faced with that reality sometimes would be difficult, I'm sure, but also impactful for the audience. So yeah, the season six episode called 72 Hours, in this one, Rose thinks that she might have contracted AIDS during an operation. So season six, we're looking at uh, 1990 or 91. AIDS was starting to become slightly better understood and slightly less stigmatized, but definitely was not anywhere close to where we are today with it. You know, it was still thought that you easily could get AIDS from something like infection during an operation. So 
you know, in one scene, Rose exclaims, this isn't supposed to happen to people like me. I'm a good person. And Blanche responds, AIDS is not a bad person's disease, Rose. It is not God punishing people for their sins. Which was a hot take at the time, to be honest. Like, you were still in the first Bush administration that was very conservative. This was a couple of years after Ronald Reagan would not even utter the word AIDS. It was so ignored by that. administration and the fact that the show is willing to put a spotlight on that episode is so brave of them i think but it also kind of speaks to that ignorance that so many people had that willingness to just categorize people as being less than because of this disease that they didn't know anything about, that they didn't understand. You know, this was a year or so before Magic Johnson came out as HIV positive. I was going to say that. And for Golden Girls to come out and say AIDS is not a bad person's disease, Mm -hmm. that is such a powerful statement. Well, I think this episode for me in two ways is again, and I hate to keep bringing this up with like every point, it's so impacted by the age of the cast. Like one, it's important to show that anyone can contract AIDS. I mean, whether you're innocent Rose Nyland, who's in her late 50s, early 60s, or someone much younger or a different race, like it is something that could impact anyone. So I think especially at the time that this episode came out, that would have been seen as very boundary pushing. But also, and maybe this is something that I'm just thinking about because of the way the world is today, it might have been different then, but I think we tend to think of people of a certain age as being very conservatively minded. And I think to hear Blanche make this argument that, you know, it's not a bad person's disease, and this is something that is a thread throughout like all of these topics, these women are older, but that doesn't mean that they're conservative or maybe even more broadly, that doesn't mean that they can't still learn something about themselves or like the way the world is. And mm-hmm. I just think that's such a an amazing, like special thing about the show. And I really appreciate that they show that nuance because I think often people of a certain age, as I keep saying, uh, in sitcoms or TV in general are just like reduced to being a stereotype. And that is definitely not the case in this show and especially in this episode. Yeah, for sure. I think to that point, the Golden Girls, all four of these main characters, they defy the expectations of older people on television because they aren't stuck in their ways. Yes. There was just this idea for so long that if you were an if you were over, I don't know, 50, 60, that you were just that caricature that you were this cantankerous cranky old person. And that's just not the case with real people in real life, especially. But these were women that demonstrated they could learn and grow and change. They weren't done living just because they, you know, had already lived so much. I feel like we have a natural segue from this topic into an episode from season four. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but season four has an episode called Valentine's Day. And this is another really good example of the show redefining what it means to be 
old, if we want to say that. So basically, the episode shows the ladies checking out at a drugstore with some condoms because they're about to go on a cruise with our significant others. And the cashier announces to everyone in the store that he needs a price check on the condoms. And the entire store turns to judge the ladies. And Blanche, being the sex-positive queen that she is, grabs the mic and delivers a rousing lecture about sexual responsibility that had never before been seen on television and definitely not by a woman of her age. (laughs) (laughs) And um, you found this amazing fact that a 2015 refinery... 29? Refinery 2.9? I've never said it out loud. I think it's 29. (laughs) I don't know for sure either, but yeah. They did a little statistic on how many men each of the ladies had dated or slept with in their lives. And so Sophia is listed as having 25. Rose had 30 plus 56 boyfriends before meeting her husband. Dorothy had 43 and Blanche had at least 165. (laughs) And while we don't know if all of those relationships involved sex, except probably Blanche's, (laughs) it is clear that age did not mean these ladies' opportunities to date and find love had dried up. Yeah, I just think that like it's, it's audacious whenever you look at numbers like that. Whenever you hear it all laid out like that, the fact that these women's lives included so much of this thing that was not ever talked about or ever shown on TV in this way. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think it's so powerful because you don't really think about how much sex is on the show or talked about on the show. Like, yeah, it's a part of it, especially around Blanche. And, you know, sex isn't always just, you know, a relationship is not always just sex. You know, there are you know <laughs> plenty of discussions of dating and everything on the show that don't involve that. But, you know, just looking at the number, the total number of times that these women are out there just living life the way that we think a 20 or 30 something would be yeah i just think it's so bold but i i still like those numbers were shocking to me whenever i saw them (laughs) because i just it hadn't occurred to me how many times the show talked about each of those women's Mm -hmm. full lives in every regard. <laughs> it makes me really excited to draw a comparison to Sex and a, Sex and the City again. I've been seeing like trailers and stuff come out for the new series, which is and just like that. Mm-hmm. And I am sort of surprised. Maybe I shouldn't be because I know what the ladies look like in real life, but the ladies look old. And I'm excited about that. Like mm-hmm. I don't think they're trying to make them look younger than they are you know Cynthia Nixon is shown as having gray hair like Sarah Jessica Parker has not had like any cosmetic work done I think like she looks her age and I'm excited to see that and I'm excited to see what that show does I I have a feeling it's going to feel more in line with Golden Girls in a way because they're actually allowing these women to be 
of a certain age. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of a sketch that they did on Inside Amy Schumer several years ago, where they were celebrating, I think it was Julia Louis-Dreyfus's last effable day. Uh, And it was like Amy and Julia and like Tina Fey and Patricia Arquette, like a bunch of these women like in their 40s or whatever. And they were all toasting like to Julia for the last day that anyone would want to have sex with her, to find her attractive in any way. And like from there on, she was just, you know, this going to be this old biddy in Hollywood. And, you know, the Golden Girls just totally turns that idea on its head, even though it was, you know, obviously if that idea was still floating around 20 years after Golden Girls went on the air for them to do that sketch, or went off the air rather, things had not changed that much. But I just think it's so cool that the show demonstrated that older women can still be attractive and can still be a hit with the dudes. I agree. An episode that I just think is interesting for two reasons is season two's end of the curse and in this episode Blanche thinks that she's pregnant but then discovers she is just entering into menopause and I think this episode is remarkable for two reasons one I think it's remarkable because it shows that the possibility of pregnancy for an older woman is there. And that Mm -hmm. is something I think we often forget about in our society. But also menopause is like literally not talked about at all on TV or in real life. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I truly just don't know what's going to happen to my body someday. Like you Mm -hmm. see women on TV might have like a hot flash and it's like, oh, ha ha, mom's having a hot flash. But it's like literally what's going to happen to me? And why has no one ever told me? It's Mm -hmm. crazy to me how glossed over this like incredible part of like growing old for women like it it is just incredible to me that it is just ignored and why people are just scared of women's bodies it's Mm -hmm. the same with periods no one wants to hear about them but reality is every woman for the most part has a period and like menopause same thing it's gonna happen to all of us it makes me mad (laughs) to think about and it is something that you know could be shared more in media like it i don't i don't know i this episode's good i like blanche's reaction to everything it feels very real to me and it does just make me realize how little i know about what's going to happen to me someday i mean i as a male obviously do not need to worry about menopause which i'm very grateful for but i have often thought about it like that seems weird but like (laughs) thought about if i were a woman and were faced with the reality that that was going to happen to me one day would i know anything about it like do is the only reason that i don't know what to expect (laughs) with menopause because i am a man and don't have to think about it but i don't think that's true i feel like a lot of women also just don't know what's going to happen and it's something that is like you said so ignored because no one wants to think about it, especially the majority men who are Mm -hmm. writing television shows. You know, it's so great that Golden Girls did mention menopause at all, because before this, I don't know if it had been talked about on TV, but it almost feels like it it was one 
subject that they could have gone even further on. I you agree. Know, you don't see much about the ladies experiencing menopause or, you know, anything with their bodies, hormones, whatever changing, which seems sort of like a missed opportunity. They didn't miss it completely, of course, since we're talking about this episode, but it does feel like one of those ways that the show could have been even more impactful and shown a lot of women that they were not alone. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Now let's talk about an episode from season three called Mixed Blessing. Oh yeah. This is an episode in which Dorothy's son Michael announces plans to marry his older black bandmate Lorraine. Michael is 23 and Lorraine is 44 and Dorothy is not happy about it because of the age difference and Lorraine's mother and her aunts also disapprove but mainly because Michael is white and there were just not a lot of depictions of mixed race relationships on TV at all at the time. You had the Jeffersons many years before this with Helen and Tom and, you know, George Jefferson constantly calling them zebra and, you know, whatever. All of these ridiculous kind of disparaging remarks. And Golden Girls, you know, it's clear that there was still some stigma around a mixed race relationship. But in the end, love wins out. They learn that Lorraine is pregnant and both of the mothers and families are very excited, you know, about the the blessing. I feel like, weirdly, mixed race relationships are one of the last things that were still kind of stigmatized on TV. And Golden Girls yeah. did a little to chip away at that. But even today... You don't see it. You don't see that a lot. Yeah. Whenever I think about mixed race couples on TV, I always think about the TV show Lost because basically there's this white guy and he's just so concerned about finding his wife the whole time and they think that she's dead but then you find out that she was just in the tail section which crashed on another part of the island and when you finally meet her like a season and a half in she's black and all of the characters and all of the fans of the show were just like shocked by that like you (laughs) never think because he's just white and you just assume and the way that they play it maybe I'm describing it really poorly but they play it in such a cool way to like draw attention to the fact that this is like our preconception of like what a couple would look like and it is crazy that it's 2021 and there are not more depictions of mixed race couples on tv because that is not simply not reflective of reality at all. One very interesting thing to note about this episode is that in June 2020, there were a lot of TV shows that, as a result of the Black Lives Matter movement, had to kind of deal with some problematic content. And Hulu ended up pulling this episode because it had blackface in it, according to them. There was no blackface. It was... Mm -hmm. Rose and Blanche wearing mud masks and then Lorraine's family, who of course are all black, show up and Rose tells them Oh my lord (laughs) This is mud on our faces We're not really black And there was a bit of an outcry from a lot of prominent people actually about the fact that this was not problematic, it was not blackface Mm -hmm. Roxanne Gay who's a very prominent black writer, tweeted, That Golden Girls episode isn't blackface. What the hell? Removing (laughs) this episode is weird, counterproductive, and stupid. It diminishes the effort to actually end racism. It's just so dumb. And then (laughs) journalist Imani Gandhi 
maybe Gandhi, not sure, sorry, tweeted, I like how they think black people don't know our golden girls. Dorothy, Rose, Sophia, and Blanche are the least problematic white women in all of television, which is fairly <laughs> impressive considering that show was on air in the mid-80s. So Hulu... I'm not sure when it happened, but as of July of 2021, Hulu had restored the episode in its original version on its service, which is the only instance that I'm aware of of something being pulled, you know, for being problematic, that people were like, that's not actually problematic. Give it back to us, please. (laughs) I don't know. We could have a long conversation about the shows, the episodes, the content that has been subject to that renewed criticism because of its depictions of race or, you know, stereotypes Mm -hmm. of any kind. But uh, I just don't think that there is anything problematic myself about the way that this episode handled these, you know, depictions of race. Absolutely. I think the word counterproductive is perfect because clearly the episode is having a well-balanced discussion about race among other things in this episode and taking it down prevents people from seeing that and maybe having their own, you know, preconceived notions about race and mixed relationships challenged or changed. I lost my way through that sentence, so I hope that that made sense. (laughs) I think it did, yes. Oh, wonderful. Another very powerful episode is season four's Brother, Can You Spare That Jacket? In that episode, the ladies go to a homeless shelter where they hope to find a jacket of Blanche's that has been accidentally donated by Sophia to a thrift shop, and in the pocket of that jacket was a winning lottery ticket. The whole episode is kind of the ladies trying to track down where this jacket has gone, and at one point Michael Jackson got it, and I don't know, it, it ends up in a very different place than you think it's going to go, because the ladies end up spending the night at that homeless shelter because they're trying to, you know, get the lottery ticket off of the person wearing the jacket, and each of the ladies have meaningful conversations with the people who sleep there, and the show just really emphasizes that the unhoused are just as human as anyone and are often just victims of unfortunate circumstances. And that's not something that most people in society were willing to confront or willing to think about. It's just... Or are still willing to think about. Even to this day, there is such stigmatization against people who do not have homes. This episode for me also is a really good example of something I think the show does really well, which is throw those curveballs at you. It reminds me of the uh, Christmas episode of the show where it just goes from topic to topic in really unexpected ways. And I, I don't know if I would say that's like a hallmark of the show, but I definitely think that there are several episodes I can think of that end up hooking in a direction that really shocks you or surprises you. And it can be used for humor, or in this case, it can be used to really effectively make a point to stick with you. Yeah, for sure. That episode kind of reminds me of the Rose Fights Back episode in season five, where Rose is cut off from her deceased husband's pension plan and she must find a new job. She's soon faced with age discrimination and the fear of not being able to pay her rent. And in later on in the episode, she discusses often seeing an older woman digging through the trash and she tells the other ladies, I wondered what did she do to get herself into a fix like that? I thought, well, she must be lazy or she must be pretty stupid to let something like this happen to her. The truth is, she's me. And I think Mm -hmm. it's another example, 
like the episode we just talked about of the show really humanizing maybe a person or a group of people that doesn't always get that isn't that aren't I don't know (laughs) aren't always humanized uh on tv or in real life yeah and not just humanized but like reflected in any positive way whatsoever you know you see depictions of dirty bums on tv all the time and they're never real people they are just Mm -hmm. there as something taking up space on the street or stealing something or whatever the case might be i think that golden girls probably was the only show that could have done something like this at the time because maybe one of one of the reasons that rose is able to have a realization like this is her age it's because she has had so much time and had so many experiences in her life to be able to reflect and realize that you know a very slight change in the path of her own life could have landed her there and when she's faced up against that reality and having to look for a job and not being able to get one because people think that you know she is older and not worth anything anymore to anyone not capable then she realizes how real it is that it's not always someone's choices that lands them in a situation that they don't want to be in i think it's just such a poignant reflection of society that you would never expect from any kind of sitcom there is another episode that we wanted to touch on. It is called Feelings, and in that episode, Rose suspects that her dentist fondled her while she was under anesthesia, and brings up all of these questions about sexual misconduct. And Golden Girls is not the first show to deal with sexual misconduct like this, but it's just still not something that was commonplace for anyone to talk about. And you know that there are so many people who have stories like this. You know, you see news articles every now and then where something like this has happened. I just think it's so maybe responsible is the right word of the show Mm -hmm. to put a spotlight on this thing that is an issue for so many people. So many people experience something like this and it's something that gets repressed and that people just kind of shove down and forget about and think, you know, am I crazy for thinking that this happened or do I actually know that this happened? Mm -hmm. I agree. This episode was the one out of all these episodes that I just had no recollection of, even though Hmm. I feel pretty certain I had seen it before. But there was a quote in it that I thought was just so perfect for a show written in 1990, especially. So there's a point where Rose is talking to Blanche and she's saying, well, you of all people should know like what it's like to be like a woman and having like a man like touch you or whatever. Mm. And Blanche says, when I submit to a man's advances, it is with my consent. A woman has the option to say no. Wow. And in two sentences, she so succinctly explains an issue that has been at the forefront of our culture for the past, what, five years? I feel like we've been really going hard about this consent thing. Mm-hmm. And she just simplifies it and says it so perfectly. Yep. Did we have any other episodes to talk about? Um, I don't think that I had pulled any out specifically, but... I- we could go on, we could literally sit here and talk about every single episode of Golden Girls and pull out something (laughs) that was important. But some of the highlights of other episodes, if you ever want to take your own binge through the show and 
Let's think about some of these issues that the show talked about. Other important topics included prescription medication addiction, artificial insemination, (laughs) disability discrimination, gambling addiction, domestic abuse, both physical and verbal, teen pregnancy, agoraphobia, like... There's just this ongoing list of topics that the show dove right into that no other shows would touch, at least not in the way that Golden Girls did. And, like, the writing is just so smart. Every time, like, I can't think of a single thing off the top of my head that the show did that felt, like, disingenuous or that felt contrived even. You know, it was always, whenever they were handling these difficult topics it was always done with sensitivity and with intelligence and with Mm -hmm. purpose it's such a remarkable show i think in so many ways but just the quality of the writing itself the fact that it's able to talk about all of these things but still also be non-stop hilarious you know yeah like every episode makes me laugh out loud well we have been talking for a long time already so Mm -hmm. do you want to take a break yeah let's give ourselves a moment of pause and (laughs) we will be back to talk about the impact the overall impact not the individual episodes of golden girls because there's a lot to talk about for the broader stuff as well yes there's so much more that we're going to talk about regarding this show. So yes, uh, I think we're going to take a break now in the present and also a break in our recording. And we will see you next week for part two of this episode. We sure will. I've been Elena Hillard. And I have been Cody Hoffman. And I will be next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye!